This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. We've spoken before about how I don't watch films. I also don't watch television. So there's just very little uh, interesting engagement with pop culture going in my life, unless you consider... Judgments of the Supreme Court of New South Wales or the Court of Appeal in New South Wales to be pop culture, which I do. <laughs> and so it means that pop cultural artefacts that are familiar to other people are not that familiar to me. So I um, sat down on the couch last night to read a judgment from the New South Wales Court of Appeal, uh, but on TV was the final of The Bachelorette. And, of course, during that show, they had lots of things I have not seen for a long time, which were advertisements. And every single one was thrilling and cool. And my favourite one was the host, who's this extremely likeable guy who who some people will know, Osher Ginsberg, from um, The Host of The Bachelor. He's sort of a charismatic, um, very, very good-looking, very sort of suave, also radio host sort of dude who um, is advertising health insurance He's sitting next to like an animated quokka on a couch and the quokka's like, well, who's the best for health insurance? Like, Osha? And Osha's like, Pugh. it's got to be HBF. <laughs> Classic stuff. But it's something like that. And it's the best and funniest ad I've ever seen. <laughs> just, just this, and I'm sure there's just zero subterfuge. of like, well, Osha, what's, like, what's going on? Osha's there in a dinner suit because that's what he normally wears during The Bachelor. And I'm sure this ad only runs during The Bachelor. And it was just a thrill. There were heaps of, heaps of ads for cars. Lots of, Kate Blanchett was in an ad for perfume that looked amazing. She was in all these different dresses and all these different scenarios. The winner of the first season of The Bachelor was there with their baby, so it was thrilling to see them. Man, ads, I think, like, I'm happy to do an ad podcast. Have you seen any ads recently, Shane? They're, they're awesome. <laughs> I'm back for ads. Forget films. Let's watch some ads. It's weird. There really seems to have been a bit of a resurgence in people liking, but also the industry wanting to make, you know, TV ads or TVCs as they're usually called in agency Mm. land. And I think that's so funny because up to the last couple of years, it's been very much like anything, you know, with prints or video or whatever was kind of old media, what's new, what's next sort of thing. And it's funny how cyclical these things are. Anyway, anyway, I, I, I would like to say, I think it's really interesting that you talk about cultural artifacts because, you know, last week we explored a pretty significant cultural artifact mm. in the horror genre, Driller Killer. The scariest movie ever that I watched some of. Mm-hmm. The, the, mm-hmm. the film... That almost, well, according to some people, was single-handedly behind the British Classification Board in 2004, effectively banning hundreds of horror films 
based on the poster of a film that showed a drill going through a couple of people's heads. And the line, what was it? There are those the that kill. Killer. Oh yeah, was it like, <laughs> some people kill violently. <laughs> I think it was. Let me see. Let me find, let me find it. Let me find it. It's so good. There are those who kill violently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess, you know, look, to your to your point about mm. ads you're not exposed to any pop culture well my point is ads are the best like, <laughs> i guess it's probably Resha's what's up we love you but when you're not exposed to something that much obviously mm. it probably does come across as you know shocking in either way whether that's shocking good shocking funny shocking whatever so so the, the hysteria is explainable to that degree anyway mm. the reason why we talked about it last week is because this week i wanted to talk about a film that i saw recently at sydney film festival that is a super meta horror film, almost made for this podcast, yes. really. It's stars... If it's charcuterie, I'll flip out, because that <laughs> is literally... <laughs> so, it's it's the first film by a Welsh director, Prano Bailey Bond, and she set this film in 1985 in the height of the video nasty hysteria, and it stars a woman, like our, our lead character who is the person editing out all the scary scenes from these movies. I think it's it's really interesting the fact that we're setting a we're setting a horror film in this time. It's it's a it, like it's a really interesting premise. I was super psyched. I wasn't disappointed by the end of it. So today Peach, we are doing a 2021 horror film called Censor. Butchery, sadism, murder wave of depraved and corrupt horror video confusing fiction with reality doug smart producer ident investment films maybe you could watch my latest frederick north submission wanted a woman's eye on this film there's this actress Feeling that's Nina, my sister. You know, if someone did take her, then they're still out there. You've never been clear on exactly what you remember. You'd be surprised what the human brain can edit out when it can't handle the truth. Someone's losing the plot. I was wondering if you had anything else on this actress. What's going to happen to her? People think that I create horror. Horror is already out there in all of us. Yeah, best movie we've done. Looks amazing. It always comes back to everything I love about horror. The fact that it just takes fun narrative risks that you wouldn't expect the fact that they've set a horror film in this incredibly interesting time in horror films history is really cool right but to have the plot the plot moving part that like it is the like the horror itself you know like it, i think like one of the nightmare on elm street sequels had like robert england as a character like playing the actor playing freddy who gets killed by yeah like, wes craven's new nightmare yeah which, which I think conceptually is, is great fun because, you know, it's meant to play with your, oh, it's just a movie of like, oh, or is it just a movie? Because this is the real, this is the real world now. And I feel like Sensor takes a similar 
narrative risk and hopefully yields a similar narrative reward to a film I haven't seen. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, look, this is a far superior film to Driller Killer. And, <laughs> I and, thought you were, like, I was going to go, oh, okay, Wes Craig's better than New Nightmare. I wasn't expecting you to say Driller Killer. I, 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 look, I almost feel bad for subjecting everyone to Driller. Oh, no, you know what? I don't. I think it's an important part of horror history, but uh, it did suck. I didn't enjoy it. I, <laughs> This film definitely doesn't suck. So, in 1985, Enid Baines works for the British Board of Film Classification during the height of the video nasty controversy. Enid's co-workers call her Little Great Miss Perfect. Great name for a bookish librarian type, I've got to say. Enid Baines. Totally. Oh, just, just me, little Enid Baines. <laughs> totally. I know this is a really dated reference, but in the original Ghostbusters, do you remember the sort of the woman answering the phones in the... Yep, yep. That's exactly what she looks like perfect. in this film. Absolutely perfect. I get it. So they, Enid's co-workers call her Little Miss Perfect due to her strictness in recommending that violent content be cut or banned. Now, what's super interesting and what's super meta about this film is at the start, we see her watching some of these films and they take real footage from a bunch of films from the time. Sick. So you see some of these gross scenes from the time. Which some of them were gross, some of them weren't. Although what, what I also think is actually kind of interesting is they focus on the fact that, you know, some of the films probably didn't need to be banned, but a lot of these films had really full-on sexual violence. And Ooh, okay. she calls out this in, in the film, which I think is quite interesting. That's awesome. So while Enid is having dinner with her parents one night, they discuss the disappearance of Enid's sister, Nina, when the two were little. And there's flashbacks to them going into the woods and something happening. Mm, okay. and, and Enid not really having a good explanation of what happened because she couldn't yeah, okay. really remember. So Enid's parents have since declared Nina legally dead, but Enid is convinced that her sister is still missing. Guess good. Shortly after a man murders his wife and children, a tabloid newspaper links the killings to a film Enid had rated and allowed to be released several months prior, naming her as the censor that approved it. So there's this like tabloid story about not just the censorship board approving it, but Enid personally approving this film. And it it becomes a thing. Enid starts to receive phone calls threatening and insulting her on a regular basis. One day... Enid is approached by Doug Smart, a film producer and a really slimy guy. And he's that guy that's in a lot of British films. I don't know yeah, his name. I love that actor. Like he's in Luther. Yes. Yes. The computer, the computer guy from Luther. Anyway, so he's a film producer and he claims that a veteran horror director named Frederick North has personally requested that she screen one of his old films. Now, no one has really ever seen Frederick North. They just know he's a name that they know creates films like a fictional film in this film called Don't Go in the Church, which I think is the coolest name Amazing for a film. Amazing name. Amazing name for a film movie. Don't Go in the Church. Don't Jesus, go in the church. I, I would watch the shit out of that film. I'd be too scared, but I get it. Now, during the screening, Enid notices that the events depicted parallel her memories of her sister's disappearance. Ooh. That's, that's, that's really good. Actually. Which is a really cool premise, right? Yeah. So investigating North further by acquiring a copy of one of his banned films. And there's a really interesting scene where she goes into a video store 
and gets one of these video nasties under the counter. Because apparently what happened, because all these films got banned, there became this massive bootleg scene where everybody was trading these films. Again, they became way more popular than they ever would have been if they weren't banned. This is your Faces of Death story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Enid notices that the film's lead, Alice Lee, again, a woman nobody really knows except through these films, bears a striking resemblance to her missing sister. So Enid soon becomes obsessed with meeting North, believing that Lee is her missing sister and needs to be saved from the exploitation film industry. So Enid goes and visits Smart, who is super gross and lecherous and assumes she's there to have sex with him. Hoping to learn North's whereabouts, he tells her that North is making a sequel to Don't Go in the Church near his home and attempts to seduce her, but Enid rejects Smart, pushes him, causing him to become more aggressive, which makes her push him and accidentally kill him by, like, one of his awards going through his, like, through the back of his head and out through his mouth. (laughs) Sick. That is actually sick. Now, after stealing North's addresses from her work... Eden finds the set of North's latest film, Don't Go in the Church 2, where he and the crew assume her to be an actress. So there's a moment where she arrives and they're, they're all like, we've been waiting for you. And it's like, what? And it's actually really fucking creepy. Good. So she goes, she gets made up in makeup because she, she just, she's like, yes, I am here for the film. So she gets made up, put into a dress and basically pushed into the forest where this film is being shot. She confronts North, who's filming her, and is, is very much a like cinema verite sort of director, and he tries to get her into the framework of being scared and being frightened, and he's filming her, and he's like, go, I want, to see, I want to go, you to go to that place, and eventually basically pushes her into this house where she keeps having all these flashbacks, where this film was set, where she expects she's going to find her sister. This is sick. So during the climactic scene, she goes into this house. She sees this actress. Are we, are we nearly done already? Oh, we nearly okay. done. We nearly oh, done. I, I, can't, I don't know. It's been you, fun. It's been yeah, fun. Right? Uh, this one's flown, but man, Driller Killer's poor preparation for this. Driller Killer <laughs> took 10 years to get through. Sensor, I'm just getting warmed up. This is great. In Driller Killer, we'd still be at a like rooster oh. show talking about like bills not being paid. Doing some art criticism of like, yeah, the painting's going okay, but I I think you could do a couple more splotches around here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So she gets into this house Mm. and there's a big scary man over the actress who she right now believes is her sister. Yes. So Alice takes the axe and kills the man, right? Now, we don't know at this point whether this is a film or not. Right? Because we've been pushed into it. So she beheads the man. We then get a shot of the film crew and the actress, as well as the dead body, all being like, and the director being like, what the, like, wh- what are you doing? What the fuck? You've just killed somebody. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saving this woman. And the woman is. N- Obviously fucking freaked out, runs away, and Alice runs out into the woods after her chasing her. Now, a terrified Alice flees from Enid as she begs for Alice to please be her before collapsing in the woods. 
Now Enid is later awoken by a seemingly happy vision of her sister, thanking Enid for finding her. Uh, like I'm having fun. Like I like 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 you you earned that pause. That's fine. Just right. like in the Bachelor House, some ad breaks. I was like, yeah, you earned it. So Nina and Enid now. Mm-hmm. So you know, leave the woods. It's now sunny. It was nighttime in the woods where they were shooting it. It's now a sunny day. They've left the woods and they're driving to their parents' home where they're all going to be reunited, right? During the drive, the car radio announces that all violent films have been banned, crime has been eradicated, and unemployment no longer exists. Enid's fantasy is sporadically interrupted. There's a moment in the car where we notice that this actress is trying to get out, but she's petrified of Enid looking over at her. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we, we get to the parents' house where the final shot, we see the kidnapped Alice run to the parents, begging for their help. The parents staring at, uh, at Enid being like, what have you done? And Enid staring back at them being like in a total daze, being like, no, I've just saved, I've just found my sister. And that's the end of Censor. Very, very good. Very, very, very good. Like St. Maud. Esque, it sort of conjured up the like taking the banal, like finding horror in the banal, like or finding finding horror in the banal and the descent into you, you know fantasy and madness. Oh, shag that that was very very good. Fucking video nasty owes censor a big debt of gratitude for making fucking video nasties look any good. I, it is offensive to censor to be like, yeah, it's a similar film to like you know <laughs> watch it in the same universe as Driller Killer. No, no. Driller Killer, you suck. Censor forever. Shag, I love that. Did you enjoy watching it? I really did. I really did. I love film festivals, because uh, especially the Sydney Film Festival, because it always has a horror program that I think is really good. And there's usually a few films in there that like are super shocking and disturbing, which are always the ones I want to see. Censor wasn't really that. It was very clever, and I enjoyed it. But next week, Ugh. we're going to see the other film that I saw at Sydney Film Festival, which I don't know if you saw the stories about it, but a number of people fainted. And I don't think I've ever seen as many people walk out of a film out of (laughs) disgust as I did during this film. I'm going to talk about the experience of seeing it as well as the synopsis, as well as the gross stuff that happened in it next week. So Peach, your horror education is just beginning. I thought we proved I was brave last week. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's... What's up? Put your motherfucking hands up. Do-do-do-da-do-do-do-do-da. Do-da-do-do-do-do-da.